Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amrabi, and along with my co-host, Jack Shields, you guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. Drop us that five-star review, man, if you like what you hear. So, Jack, how's your week so far? Oh, pretty good, man. Mostly just uh, preparing for everything involved this week. Kind of cramming a lot of stuff in, considering that I'm leaving for Dallas on Thursday, and I'm not going to be doing too much work once I get there, yeah. because, I mean, I'm going to be golfing and stuff like that and then going to the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I'm really looking forward to all of this. I'm kind of mad that I'm going down Thursday because mm-hmm. if I went down Friday, I would be able to stop at the Arbuckle Fried Pies and get the thing that they're doing for the promotion, which yeah. is pretty neat. Bosworth is going to be there. Bos is going to be there. I don't know if he's going to be dressed up as the sheriff or not, mm-hmm. but I hope he is dressed up as the sheriff. But anyway, Arbuckle Mountain Fried Pies, they have the Dr. Pepper flavored fried pie because it's like a Dr. Ooh. Pepper Fansville thing. I really want to try that out, but... Going down Thursday, and I'm not going to be able to do that. True. I True. might send like Seth down there if he's game to like go interview the boss or something like that. Hey, if he wants Seth, to what are you doing? <laughs> and he can do like a review on the uh, Dr. Pepper fried pie. He could. That'd be a good idea. It's That'd not... be good content. On on your level of this this week, the Red River Shootout, your level of one to ten by of nausea from not nauseous at all to pretty freaking nauseous, about to throw up. Uh, what is your what is your level here? Usually closer to the latter, but that's sort of the inherent aspect of yep. this week. I'm yep. never not going to be nervous about this week. Just ever. uncomfortable 24-7. 2013, oh, you should have rocked Texas. 2015, yep. oh, you should have rocked Texas. Yeah. And they were sort of dominated up front in both games. So... Yeah, yeah it's... You can never... You never know what to expect. You never know what to expect, but... Let's talk about. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's very, very true about this rivalry. Throughout game. the record books, it's true. All that. We have a little a bird to talk about. First of all, um, talking about the Jayhawks, of course, and Les Miles, and then we'll get on to some real good talk about the Longhorns and just how much I hate them in general. But Kansas game in Lawrence, 11 a.m. Didn't kick off to a little bit later because of rain delay. Oklahoma wins 45-20. Um, Late kick, 
seemed like a slow start. No Adrian Ely, no Eric Swenson either. Um, but the most significant thing I thought that was important, and I think the thing that terrified most Sooner fans, including myself, Kenneth Murray getting hurt in oh, Lawrence. Man. I was so glad that yeah. wasn't serious. And he was he was back later in the series. They still gave up, uh, I guess, technically it was a 98-yard drive, but it was 99 yards, yep. probably more than 99 yards because yeah. of those penalties. But That was terrifying. Is there anything worse for a heavy favorite than a rain delay? I don't think so. I mean, I mean it's that just... tech game in 2011 still gives me nightmares. And it's, it's already Kansas. You're already there just to take care of business. You're already there because you know they're not that great and you just want to get the game over with. And then now you have to wait for it. Kenneth Murray almost gets into a fight on the sideline because some, some guy trips him. And you have that CD, became a thing on Twitter like, later in the night. That was a weird deal. It was, it's stupid. But like the main image of that game should not be any picture taken during the game or after the game. It should be C.D. Lamb walking off the bus in a blanket. Because that's exactly how all of us felt about that game. 100%. And the knitting lady. Or, or sorry, yeah. not knitting. She crocheting, was crocheting. Crocheting lady. As every you person got blown up who on crochets for that. Yeah. told me, I was not in the mood for that shit at all. Yeah, crochet nation. Was I mean, it was funny, Jack. but I mean, like, I was just like, good God, you He's, fucking nerds. Like, Jack said, I don't, I don't speak French. <laughs> like, what was that? but yeah crochet sounds french i mean that's i don't yeah, know but no yeah but it's just like that's that's the mood that's the mood for the game right now and there's a delay really so like in in it was it was just a slow start that's that's all you could say is kansas went up seven to nothing and everybody's like are you serious right now so you're just like like what the hell so like you said you know kenneth murray goes out 98 yard drive ensues kansas gets a touchdown and we're all just like left sitting there like huh that's uh that's not gonna fly. And then Kenneth Murray came back out of the tent, taped that ankle up, and then Kansas had ninety three yards total in the second and third third second and third quarters combined after that ninety nine yard drive. It's impressive. It was impressive, and especially considering how much uh, Puka Williams was gashing Oklahoma oh, before yeah. that. He is he is awesome. That weird delayed pitch that was going when on. When he's not playing Oklahoma, he is a very, very fun person to watch. But while he was playing Oklahoma, he was giving me nightmares of Tavon Austin oh, ripping yeah. Oklahoma he's up. He's good, and I guess, what was that, 2012? Yeah. He's, I mean, he's electric. Yeah. And they, they're not really missing Herbert all that much. I mean, he was a good running back, but Puka is just a different dude. Now, some old things reared their head. Um, I mean, albeit Nice throws. There were a couple. There were there were a couple really nice throws from the Kansas quarterback, and uh, to the corner over the shoulder, and that's where the touchdowns came from. One of them was like, one of them was literally it said, "Hey, this broadcast sucks. It's OU versus Kansas. We're flipping it over to ESPNU." As soon as you change the channel to ESPNU, somebody from Kansas scored a touchdown like thirty yards out, and it was over the shoulder again. And um, Parno Montley kind of got. Kind of got burned a couple times. There were some good throws, though. They were good throws. Stanley sort of uh, pulls some rabbits out of his hat every now and again. I would agree He did that against Boston College. Boston College isn't really that terrible of a team this year. Right. And he played like a really good quarterback during that game. And then at other times, you know, he plays Coastal Carolina, and 
the offense scored seven points. So then, you never know which Nathan Stanley you're going to get. And then, and then and Oklahoma K- got a decent one at times. Kansas, they started off converting the third downs at a relatively high clip. And then throughout the game, as the game went on, their percentage of third down conversions went down after OU just decided to buckle down and figure out what the hell they were doing. Now, the main issue of this game, once we found out that Kenneth Murray was okay, he would be playing for the rest of the game, he was going to play next week, or as in this week, offensive line, still a mess. Um, The bookends are gone, no Adrian Ely. There's no Eric Swenson, who I think Eric Swenson is going to be out a lot longer than Adrian Ely. I think, I think Adrian Ely, uh, you know, it's hard to tell. He, I feel like he could be back this week, but again, it's just hard to tell. But the bookends are gone, and Oklahoma averaged around, I don't have the specific numbers right in front of me, but it was about a yard and a half per carry in the first half against Kansas. Against Kansas, nothing with Jalen Hurts was going. Jalen Hurts was running for his life a couple times. Nothing with Trey Sermon was going. Um, how concerned are you? Very. Extremely. One I mean, to ten. how could you not be? Is that, is that a 10 out of 10? I'd go 9 out of 10. Yeah, like a Just because I think Adrian Ely might be back this yeah. week, so probably 9 out of 10. But, I mean, obviously the level of competition is going up, and if you're missing, mm-hmm. even if you're missing one of your bookends, that's problematic. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as, as Texas is missing defensively, this is equally important. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's a little terrifying. Like, I'm scared. And then, of course, in the second half, Lincoln Riley said, nah, we're going to get this crap running. And then they just start taking off running. Like, Ramondre Stevenson, five carries, 105 like, yards, 109 yards. This man, just a man possessed. Reminds you of Damian Williams, 100%. I'm trying to think of other comps. Uh, Devontae Freeman from Texas a few years ago. He yeah. kind of reminds me of him a little Thick bit. Thick back. He yeah. Can get, he, he can get it moving. He can, he can catch it Because he's, he's way thicker than Damian Williams yeah, was. Yeah, he is. And um, Texas wanted, actually. Texas wanted him really bad. Texas mm-hmm. wanted Ramondre Stevenson. He was an early offer for them, and he chose to come to Oklahoma. But, you know, it's... They could uh, use him right now. Offensive They're line, a little thin. <laughs> offensive line, kind of a mess. Uh, it doesn't look like Oklahoma get their left tackle back. But I'm leaning on the side that Agent Ely may be back this weekend. So you would be looking at an offensive line again. The sixth different starting lineup of the year in their sixth game. Um, you're looking at Proctor, probably at left tackle, Marquise Hayes, Creed Humphrey, Tyrese Robinson, and Adrian Ely, which is, you know, that solves a lot of problems because Bray Walker, God bless the kid, long arms, incredibly athletic, feet aren't that fast. He just doesn't have it yet. He will. He will. He'll get there. But as a retro freshman, he just doesn't have it yet. So the offensive line, that's a very concerning thing because I'm saying, hey, you know, let's say the bookends are gone. Let's say Adrian Neely can't make it out this week. And um, Texas is going to blitz a lot. And it reminds me of the 2015 year when we thought, Baker, oh, man, Baker's just going to kill this team when Oklahoma had the offense. He never had any time to throw. He had time to throw. And that's this Running is, for his life. This is what scares me about this week. And you saw that. some WTF moments from Jalen Hurts when the pressure was on. Yeah, he, he generally he tried to throw a pick six. <laughs> he tried. Like, he didn't Trevor Knight that thing thinking, oh, my guy's wide open. The guy was there on a, it was just like a screen or it was, it was even a bubble screen. I don't know what it was, but he just, he dropped back, got his feet set. Solid defender was there. I think it was CeeDee Lamb. And it was just, just a brain it, fart. He threw it right at him. Like, what are you doing? 
brain fart created by subpar offensive line play. God. He he got it together later in the game. He did. So it's fine. And he's dealt with adversity before. I'm not too worried about it, but you kind of think that maybe he could see some of those same situations this week. So <laughs> yeah. if Texas is able to make some big momentum plays off of something like that, it's a little scary. Because the main thing about Jalen Alabama and Oklahoma was he's going to be conservative as far as not turning the ball over. And like that's what I keep on telling myself this week because the main the main cog in deciding the Red River shootout is how many running how many rushing yards you have, how many turnovers you have. And if you've won one of them or both of them, you have a very big chance of winning this game. You have a very uh, pretty good chance of winning that game down in Dallas. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, will he have time to throw? I don't know yet. I, I lean to know because um, they're gonna Todd Orlando's gonna blitz him all day. Uh, but uh, I don't I don't think Jalen I think Jalen's rather gonna take a sack than anything else. I don't think he's gonna throw it like Baker, or I don't think he's gonna have some mystifying interceptions like a oh God, that that 2013 year with Blake Bell that was just atrocious. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Oklahoma went to the fourth quarter. We talked about this game, Kansas, as if it was a bad game because I thought, I thought after the game I was like, man, this game's atrocious. Like this is a this is an ugly baby. And Oklahoma went to the fourth quarter up 42 to seven after the slow start too. Yeah, so at 42 to seven and everything was like, all right, well. This is now a game of will they cover or not, which was 35. They did not cover. And but, uh, um, their their main point of the past couple games has been finish out the game. Finish out the game. And that just wasn't apparent. Now Brian Osamoa, loving the development developmental snaps he's getting. He's going to be a guy. His closing speed's amazing. But you saw Puka Williams run crazy in the fourth quarter again, albeit against many of the twos on the defense. And like we were talking about, Texas week on the brain. I'd like to think that played a little role, but a lot of it was probably just the second stringers as well. What if I told you that Oklahoma has already practiced for Texas a week and a half before even this week Are you week quoting started? 30 for 30 right now? Are you producing a 30 for 30? I might be sometime in the future, but seriously, what if I said Oklahoma has already practiced for Texas a week and a half before Texas week even began? Would that surprise you? No, not even a little. It's happened. Do you think do you really think they spent all that week on Kansas? Absolutely, hell no. Not. That week before the season starts, um, and then in the bye week, they practice. They get better. They get healthier. Um, they practice a lot of different formations for things that they'll probably see in the future. But you know what they focused on. So they already have a week and a half, maybe even two full weeks on Texas before Texas week, is what I'm saying. Like you can tell that they are focusing on Texas, and that's that's fair to say. Now, also something that's fair to say. The dumb penalties need to stop. It hasn't stopped through five games, and period. I'm, I'm not talking about the over-aggressive penalties, the face masks, the yada yada. That's okay. You know, like uh, hit the, hitting the quarterback after the play is over. When, when it's Sam Ellinger, sure, go for it. That's fine. You know, whatever. <laughs> not I'm cool with that. But it's the dumb, unnecessary holds, the dumb, unnecessary hits after the way after the play. Jaden Davis punching a Kansas guy in his helmet after the Kansas guy had already punched him back in the helmet. Like, it, just Players stop. punching each other in the helmet is the dumbest thing in they, football. The Sooners rank 129th <laughs> in the nation in penalties, penalty yardage. Yeah. What the That's hell? That's not surprising at all. I mean, it's, I mean, granted, there's not much of a correlation between penalty yards and wins if you look at it, but still it's very frustrating. And it could 
swing momentum in a game very easily. I mean, it won't affect Oklahoma when you're playing Kansas. It won't affect Oklahoma when you're playing UCLA. It won't affect you when you're playing probably even a, a Baylor or Iowa State. But it's going to affect you when you're going to be playing a Texas 100%. You cannot have 80 yards of penalties and expect to win that game uh, comfortably unless you just are having a lot of personal fouls on defense because you're having too much of a good time. But, I mean, there was plenty of times that Oklahoma Oklahoma forced technically two turnovers against Kansas. And were, no, one was a turnover to, Ryan, uh, to not Ryan Burles, Justin Broyles. Another was a return touchdown on a kick to CD, both negated by penalties. Just dumb things that are, you know, causing other great things we want to see. Special teams doing well. Turnovers negated. They have to get the dumb penalties out of them. It's not. And again, the quote from Kenneth Murray that sticks out to me to this day is, we need to remain aggressive, overly aggressive even, but not undisciplined. A lot of these penalties are undisciplined and just stupid boneheaded mistakes. Um, it's an issue. And like we said earlier, I mean, I think they were done with I think they were done with Kansas as soon as that first quarter. That's, I think they were done with Kansas as soon as that half was over. Once they went up 42-7, to seven, Texas week. Once the game started, Texas week. Oh, we're down 0-7 versus Kansas. Okay, it's we're playing Kansas right now, but we know Texas is looming. And that's what that's what the overall theme was. Not just probably within that locker room, but the media. They're like, oh yeah, they got they have Texas this week. But next week, Big Fox, whatever they're calling it. Big noon. Big noon, whatever it is in Dallas. Pretty comical. Texas. Uh so I mean that's fair to say. Now after the game, in in their pressers and all that stuff, I think it was a couple days later. Jalen Hurts comes to the podium, and they're asking him about that. They're asking him about the Red River Shootout. I, what are they even calling it this year? Red River Rivalry? Red River Showdown? Shoving match? I don't Stupid. know. Stupid! It's just the Red River Shootout. But anyways, they're asking Jalen Hurts, like, you know, it's your first go in the Red River Shootout. How you feel? And Jalen Hurts basically says something to the effect of. He's been in big games before. He's played in the Iron Bowl where they're not at a neutral site. They're in Tuscaloosa or they're in wherever Auburn plays. I don't know. Auburn. Auburn. Is that where at the yeah. city? Yeah. Wow, really unique. <laughs> um, but they're, they play. It's a home and home. It's not a neutral site. He's played in SEC title matches. He's played in, the, he's played in college football playoff appearances in the semifinals, but not just the semifinals, also the finals. He's been to the mountaintops. He's played a lot of big games in the SEC, LSU, Death Valley. Tons of it. Um, and people are losing their shit over that. And like it kind of was with his post-game thing after the Houston game, it's a small section of people who are pissed off about it, but they're very vocal and they're very stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's fair to say. This time a lot of it's coming from Texas fans, though. Yeah. Who are also very vocal and very stupid. Texas is the most physical team in the country. I'm not having that. But anyway, yeah. I, I, I don't understand why anyone would take issue with that. It's the most it's the most Jalen Hurts quote ever. He is by the way. one of the most battle tested players in all of college football. Maybe the most battle tested players in all of college yeah. football. He also looks why like why would he be worried? I mean, he looks like one I mean, of those. I mean, granted, angry. the dynamic of this rivalry is a little different with it being, you know, the fifty yard line in the fair and all that kind yeah. of stuff, but like he's played in, you know, the SEC title game against Georgia in uh, I guess it's Mercedes-Benz Stadium now, but like a, yeah, in Superdome, a very hostile, yeah. very neutral. Even though I mean Athens is very close to Atlanta, but 
Bama fans roll out, so it was closer to a 50-50 thing there. Iron Bowl, LSU, Death Valley, Georgia. He's fine. He'll be okay. And But the thing was, they, how they phrased the question was like, hey, you know, it's it's it can be intimidating for new quarterbacks like a Kyler Murray or a Baker Mayfield. And honestly, Kyler Murray, his first go-around in the Cotton Bowl, he lost. did not play well. Baker Mayfield, his first go-around in the Cotton Bowl, lost. So I think that's what they might be getting at. Uh, the circumstances, honestly, in, fi- in 2015 with Baker Mayfield in that offensive line that was makeshift to now 19, they're kind of similar there because the offensive line's kind of shaky. You have some freshmen. It's kind of concerning. But you don't have a sophomore over here. You have a, you have a senior that's won all kinds of awards. He is poised. He's controlled. Um, he I like where his mind is at 24-7. It's just the dumbest thing people are making a big deal about but going on to lincoln riley's presser he talked about the kansas game and during his presser he talked about how oklahoma had a first and goal at the 50 or fourth and goal at the 50 and um his play calling was just kind of atrocious in some aspects they like ran a reverse or tried to run a quarterback pass or a flea flicker and then somebody went to the bathroom at ku in lawrence and somebody flushed the toilet and lincoln Riley looks up and is like yeah so they think about my play calling but why? Why did you ever play? Did you have an issue with Jalen? Uh, not Jalen Hurts. Do you have an issue with Lincoln Riley in this play calling this past Saturday? Not really. I think he's tougher on himself than most people are. Yeah. So, and which he, is how he should be. So. You want that? You want a self-reflecting coach that says, "You know what? We aren't good right now. What I did was not good. Maybe I can do it better next time." Like not squib kick in the Rose Bowl, which he didn't squib squib kick in the Rose Bowl against UCLA. So, or hey, moving on up, right? <laughs> Um, but he did mention Swenson and Ely again that we talked about, the two bookends, the two offensive tackles left and right, highly questionable for the Red River shootout. And he said it's not like a it's not a long case scenario, but he doesn't know if they're gonna be there yet. Now I have word, I have rumor, I have missed smoke that Swenson may be out for quite a bit. He's and the rumor's been there for the longest time. His shoulder's been bothering him. Left clearly. shoulder's been an issue. Like if you're if you're reaching out, basically just trying to like you know slap fight somebody with your left arm instead of really trying to power behind your legs, that's an issue for a left tackle. Uh, Ely though, you know he might give it a go. He might give it a go, and we'll see how that works out. And um, again, that's very concerning. Like that's like alarm levels bad for me. It's Josiah St. John alarm level is bad for me. And that's what makes me think that Texas has a real edge against Oklahoma because, you know, like, oh, we talk about OU, OU's offense. They're so great. In 2015, they were great before they figured out Drew Samia would finally just start in place of Josiah St. John. They were fantastic. They had so many weapons. It didn't matter against Texas when they just blitzed the crap out of Baker. And that's 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 kind of a concern to me. And we talked about this, you know. Um, but the more pressing question here is: Lincoln Riley was asked, "Horns down." What do you think? Because remember, LSU did the horns down in Austin, but it was an SEC officiating crew, so nothing bad happened. So this is exactly the same as how it was in the 2018 Big 12 championship game, 
Because th- remember, this was yeah. after all of this yeah, after, supposed controversy and it with wasn't West even, Virginia and all that. Yeah, kind it wasn't of thing. even OU Texas. It yeah. was Will freaking Greer, Will Greer, and uh, Jake Stills God. or Jake Sills, yeah, or, whatever his whichever, name is, yeah, the guy who was committed to play quarterback oh, at USC when David he was like twelve Sills, years. That's what yeah, it was. yeah, David Stills or Sills. Anyway, was a USC quarterback committed at twelve, but like, uh, anyway, it's the same as last year. But you saw up on the podium and immediately after the final whistle. It was a hundred people doing horns down on the field. Yeah, I was so, a part of it. Yeah. yeah, of course. So won't be any different this time. It's just like, in Lincoln Riley says, "Yeah, our players won't be doing that." And then the spirit organizations, like we talked about a little bit ago, highly discouraged from doing any of it. So now all the fans are just going to do it a lot more and be more obnoxious. And Texas fans, and we talked to Kyle Carpenter from Barking Carnival today, and that we'll we'll drop in here a little bit later. But even Texas folks. They love it. It's a rivalry. People enjoy hating each other. They take it as a compliment, too. Yes. I mean, yeah, and I get that. Like, it's a part of the fun. If you take away a part of the fun, like, and I, who's, who's to, who is to blame for all of this? We know the answer. It's Sam Ellinger and Tom Herman throwing a fit. Sam Ellinger tweeting about, I remember everybody that does the horns down. It's a disrespect. That was such a Chris Sims comment. Like, I wish Twitter on. was around when Chris Sims was being soft. The worst. And it's just like, and then from that tweet, they went on a campaign to just like ruin all of the fun in this. And I think it, I think it kind of gives them like a mental edge a little bit, just like maybe not for the fans because the fans just get even more angry, but for the players because that, that really want to do after the game. But it's just like it pisses me off to no extent. And we talked about this, about this at Big Twelve Media Days, and when the official came out, we're like, "Yeah, they're not going to do it. You can, you can do the horns down with your buddies on the sideline, but don't do it to the fans. Do not do it to the players." I'm like, I just wanted to raise my hand to the officiating crew, I'm like, um, so uh, why though? <laughs> like, I didn't know this like was training the NFL for as far as like the no fun league. Uh, this is, these are college kids. These are 18, 19-year-old kids. It's not like I'm flipping somebody off. It's not like Atari Bird flipping off the Tennessee fans after the game. It's literally taking their signal, that their hand sign that they get to do, that they designed, I believe, in the, the Southwest Conference or the Big 8 when it was very popular, and it's taking it and simply saying, I'm going to put it down. And because it's funny, not because it literally hurts you to your soul. And for Samuel Linger to be like, it's just disrespectful to my team, my teammates in my in my uh, my university. And Brandon Jones to reiterate that, it's like, you guys are soft. Charmin. And it makes sense why Tom uh, Tom Herman cannot break down a locker with a sledgehammer. I mean, it, it just fits the narrative. It's just frustrating and it's stupid. And I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of over it. Um, but hey, before we go to break. We did talk with Kyle Carpenter from Barking Carnival, and he does a lot of thing, other things as well. He's he's all over the platform for uh, Texas and the University of Texas and the Longhorn Athletics. So we'll send you guys a break. We have a lot more to talk about, and we'll be back in a sec. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys, today we are joined by Kyle Carpenter from Barking Carnival. Thanks for joining us today, Kyle. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to prove to the masses that you can't have a civil discourse during hate week. You can still hate, but you can, you know, you can hate with uh, a gentleman, gentlemanly streak. We're actually drinking tea right now. Yeah. I mean, just to sort of drive the point home. We we, I, I, we can hate each other. We just can keep our own opinions to ourselves, though, sometimes like adults. Sometimes. Certainly. I'm just trying I'm trying to visualize because you set the tea on like the back of the hand with the horns down and just sipping it off of that. I, I anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, Kyle. We got a lot of questions for you today. And then at the very end, Jack is gonna ask you some rapid fire questions. One of them which might make you very comfortable or uncomfortable at all. I don't know. We'll see how it works out. But the first question is Texas is obviously missing some pieces on the defensive side, and most notably that back that back five, back seven of the ball, uh, one of them with a broken foot. How the replacements looked, and how do you think that – do you think this is something that Longhorns can overcome to some degree this weekend? Yeah, I think there's no doubt. Uh, this has been a crazy year on both sides of the ball throughout the season. At least the offense seems to be getting relatively healthy. But from the defensive side – um, there, there's no doubt that they are down from full strength. Um, we, we said beginning of the season, we weren't sure what the defensive line or linebacker unit would look like, but we were pretty confident with about, you know, 10 guys in the secondary. And we're truly testing that, that theory. Um, I think we, we've used all of probably 12 or 13 back there, not because anyone's just terrible, but truly just next man up mentality has, has been pretty clear. Obviously the, the big name is, is uh, Caden Stearns, who, um, again, a, a preseason All-Big 12 guy. Um, just the, that caliber is tough to replace. Um, I mean, Jalen Green looks like, out of all the Longhorns, young corners to be playing the best uh, of the bunch. And it uh, doesn't seem like he'll be back for a couple more weeks. And then um, even even Josh Moore, um, or excuse me, uh, uh, Josh Thompson, um, is, is probably out for quite a while. So, I mean, you get three players who started in week one and you know, imagine week two against LSU that aren't there. So can they recover? Sure. I think you've seen some, some good progress from some guys. I think getting uh, Thompson um, and, and Overshone, uh, excuse me, getting, getting Overshone back and, and getting BJ Foster back are things that last week helped a little bit against West Virginia team. They put up more yards than I would have liked to see. Um, the one thing is, is you have a lot of these young kids who it's their first Red River game. And so, it will be a really good test to see who makes the step up and who's a player uh, and rises up for this game and plays like a, you know, fifth year senior or who cracks under the pressure. So, I mean, I, I think the, the secondary uh, will be closely watched and you may see a different unit in the fourth quarter than you see in the first quarter, just on who, who's ready to rise up. But there are a couple known entities. I think you know, Orlando will scheme around that, but um, it's clearly going to be the most interesting of you know, those unbelievably dynamic uh, sooner receivers. Now, speaking of the Texas defense, which defensive players or pieces are going to be the biggest keys to Texas' success on Saturday? Well, again, this sounds counterintuitive to the way if you would ask me this in the preseason 
uh, conversation where I felt the, the strength of the team was, but right now it's the defensive line. I think um, if you're going to give your, your secondary a chance, it's by, by winning your matchups and getting pressure without having to bring a ton of blitz. Um, I think there still will be some probably blitzing coming uh, my anticipation uh, in this game to, to try to hurry up that offense a little bit. But I, I think the defensive line, especially as OU has some, some injuries on the, on the offensive line, I think Keandre Coburn is a guy who is just, built for this life. I mean, he is just snacks as his nickname and looks like a kid hasn't stopped eating uh, on the field or off of it. I mean, he just, he, against LSU, I mean, a, a big physical experienced SEC offensive line, he just, you know, set that point of attack so well. Um, you know, I, I think, I think Malcolm Roach has, has, has been really good, especially penetrating on the goal line and being able to get a couple of those goal line stands Texas has had. Um, and, and then they really, again, there have some depth where they rotate and get, uh, to Andre Sweat and, and uh, take one Graham as the starter um, between those guys and probably again one or two more who will rotate in um, I, I think you're going to see some some pretty good pressure obviously uh, Creed Humphrey is, I mean my, my the matchup I am watching the most is, is the center versus defensive tackle Humphrey uh, versus versus snacks as we call him a big Keandre Coburn now through Texas's first five games they've only allowed nine sacks and they're actually averaging 4.5 yards a carry, which is pretty great considering they, they played, you know, LSU among others. And so what are your thoughts on the current state of the offensive line in Austin? And does that appear to be trending in the right direction? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think the offensive line that there was something that snapped in this, in this group and maybe it's Herman kind of thinking about the way Ohio state did things, looking at what makes Alabama so successful, what's, what's brought Georgia to prominence. Um, I mean, and, and really you look at that OU team last year with the offensive line you all had. I mean, it's really easy to have an elite offense when you have a line like that. And so I think there's been a decided effort, not just to coach up who there is with, with Herb Hand, who's a fantastic coach, but they have a really incredible recruiting pipeline at that position right now, both in the 2020 class and definitely looking good in the 2021 class. So, I mean, I think it is, it is an area of focus uh, for the team, which, which may be a little bit different than, than, you know, kind of traditional focus on the skill receivers. We got big boys in Texas. Someone will work out. It seems like they're really being uh, particular about who they get and, and, and they've kind of perfected. If, if, if OU is the, uh, is the grad or excuse me, the, the transfer and, and win the Heisman at uh, at quarterback, I think at UT right now is looking like the finishing school for offensive line products after Calvin Anderson um, had a fantastic season at left tackle for us after transferring from Rice and then Parker Braun coming over um, as a two-time all ACC player and admittedly a triple option offense with Georgia Tech, but it's really rounded out. He's obviously a great run blocker, but has shown some pretty good pass blocking mm-hmm. too. So I think, um, I think UT's, Offensive line is the glue. I mean, you, you talk about the numbers they're averaging, and then again, you, you think about the five running back, you know, injuries they've had this season, um, and, and just the fact that our best runner right now coming into this game is a converted quarterback. You don't get to do that unless you have a good offensive line. So I think keeping uh, keeping Sam Sam relatively clean and and not having to uh, take too many shots, and also just opening up those holes. They've been through you know this many weeks in the season they've been phenomenal my, my biggest and, and, and favorite surprise of the season okay now based on what you've seen through five games how has sam hard g ellinger or ellinger i I'll, i will never get it right in my lifetime <laughs> developed as a qb between 2018 and 2019 it's pronounced Ellen God, actually, is, is what we like to say when he goes into God, his... Uh... We're not having that, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's, it's, it's French or something. The ER is pronounced like an OD. No, um, 
you know, it, it, Sam actually had, there was, an, I think it's an offensive shift as much as it is a progression for him. He certainly stepped up his accuracy numbers. Um, he's never been a supremely accurate quarterback, but, uh, but this year, you know, right around 73%, even after a pretty brutal game against West Virginia, probably his worst game of the season from that standpoint, there was a couple drops, a couple of miscommunication with some young receivers, but, uh, but, you know, especially in the four games before that, you know, closer to 75 plus percent uh, completions. That's just not, wasn't what I expected his game to be. However, um, last year, kind of all of the, the, and rightfully so hype was around his legs and, and especially the goal line, the rushing touchdowns he had, um, put a pretty good rushing yardage as well. Um, but what was missed was when he had a clean pocket and the line is better this year than it was last year. But when he had a clean pocket, um, he was, I believe, second in the big 12 after, after Kyler with his, his clean pocket passer rating. So, I mean, it's a, he has the ability to do it. I think having a scheme that's getting the ball out of his hands quickly, um, really kind of exploiting his strengths. I think um, him obviously growing, developing, really knowing the offense, feeling it, you know, you can tell when a quarterback just gets an offense and he, he knows where his players are going to be, and and I feel like he's he's in that zone uh, right now. So I think I think there's definitely development, but I, I also think just as all those things we talked about, the offensive line, the another year in the system, kind of layer on top of that that you're getting what's you know looking to be a really really great season. Now Texas, they have a lot of dudes at the wide receiver position, specifically Devin Duvernay, Colin mm-hmm. Johnson, Brandon Eagles. Um, what do each of those guys bring to the table for the Texas offense for Sam Ellinger, especially when he does have a clean pocket? Well, I mean, it's interesting. So, I mean, Devin Duvernay, what a wild surprise, right? Like, I mean, he, he's mm-hmm. a little bit underperformed from, he was a player that basically when all that Baylor stuff happened out of that fallout is how Texas got a hold of him. And, and he just was a guy who ran fast and that's all we knew about him. Um, but he wasn't able really to crack, especially with Will Jordan Humphrey. He kind of played, different position. I think moving him into that slot position um, has really allowed him to flex. And I think people are now seeing, they talked about it in years past, that who has the best hands on the team, Devin Duvernay. And I, and I just didn't believe it because the stats didn't um, prove it out. But I mean, he had a catch last week where he's diving on the sideline and an inch from the ground, just had to fingertips squeeze a, a hard thrown pass and he caught it. And the guy's no drops uh, through his career, um, which is a great, just amazing stat. But I think using him, his utilization numbers are off the charts. I'm curious this week what the matchup is going to be with Colin Johnson back, right? I mean, when especially since since he's been out, uh, Sam has just looked at any pressure down to where Duvernay is going to be, especially they open up the game, um, getting him involved early. Um, Brendan Eagles just has a, a really unique, uh, I mean, size-speed combo. It makes me think of some of those, you know, crazy Oklahoma State receivers they had a few years ago, your Des Bryant and all the way through where they had like four in a row of those big, tall, just pure NFL-seeming guys. I mean, he, he's, he's averaging like 50 yards uh, a touchdown on his uh, on his touchdown catches. He's, he's our, definitely our big play uh, threat there because he, he also he, – he's not just tall and fast. He, he has a pretty good knack for getting a little separation when the ball is there, kind of at the jump ball point um, and good body control. So I think he, he will grow and be a, a really good receiver for years to come. Um, Another guy in there is, is Jake Smith, who is really impressed just as a freshman. He's, he's electric uh, speed, another another threat in the scene. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, the, like you said, there are weapons and how they use them is, is going to be really interesting, especially with, you know, Duvernay has kind of assumed the the Quan Cosby role, if you will, or even maybe even a Jordan Shipley role because, I mean, he's on pace to, to touch potentially Shipley's receptions record. I think he's second in the nation right now. 
Um, but uh, but with Colin Johnson back, you have to think that, that Sam's going to go back to having that safety blanket, just having a real big guy who's, who's as, as you all know well from last season, he likes to play against OU. He gets up for this game. He's son of a Longhorn uh, football legend and, and just, you know, uh, this game means something to him. So I, I can't imagine that uh, that he will not get his or at least the uh, the targets. Now, to say the least, Texas is a bit thin at running back with Roshan Johnson very unselfishly filling in at the position and having the second highest carry total on the team right now. Uh, how do Johnson and Ingram differ in running style and what do they bring to the table? Well, um, so, I mean, the, the, the unique thing, just to give a back note on, on uh, Roshan, is, is he was an elite runner at the quarterback position in high school. He finished his high school career with almost like 4,900 yards. Um, so, I mean, the guy has run a lot of football. Most running backs with those numbers get, you know, big-time college football offers. So, I mean, he, he has run the ball, just not from the running back position. I think that – I'm still trying to put, like, my finger on how that translates. I mean, it's, it's – uh, he clearly knows how to find a hole. He's he's stronger than people give him credit for. He's he's not like the, the small mobile quarterback. He's he's pretty good size. I mean, he stands in the backfield with Sam Ellinger, and the legs aren't that much smaller. You know, he's pretty powerful down below. Um, but he just has a a he sees a hole, and he's getting a little better at slowing. I think his his initial thing is he he's quick through a hole. He um, he has really explosive kind of quickness in, in the first couple of steps. Um, he's not necessarily looking for the home run, but he's looking to get through the hole and then he's going to act contact, make sure he falls forward every time. You'll never see that guy not get an extra yard or two finishing every run. And I think that'll win you a lot of fans in your fan base. Uh, Keontae Ingram is more of the home run threat. It, it seems like he's, he's reading the field um, every time. And again, the guy similarly had ridiculous high school numbers. I think he had 3000 yards of senior system season in small Carthage. I mean, he's a guy who knows he's used to taking the ball when you have those types of players just to the end zone every time. And I think that's hurt him a little bit. Um, he's had a, a knee injury, but I think he's been a little bit overthinking. it. I don't know if it's compensating for that or what, um, but it does seem like he's, he's kind of slow. The coaches have a, have a motto for him, uh, you know, slow to the whole quick through it. Like certainly let the play develop, then explode. Don't, don't hesitate. Don't think just do get build that muscle memory. Um, and so I, I think for him, again, he's, he's looking for how do I get, take this carry and get 15 yards with it where I really just want to see, okay, get your six yards and then see if you can do something right. And he showed um, a couple games ago, just an incredible, um, incredible play where he was actually off the catch, but he, he caught it and he, he juked one guy, stiff armed another and spun off a third um, for like a 22 yard catch. that should have been like a four yard catch, right? It wasn't the single highlight play, um, but he, he kind of evaded a couple in there as well. There was probably, if you counted them out about five missed tackles. So I think he has the ability to make things happen. Um, I think he is a little shiftier, um, he's and I would call his running style a little bit slippery, right? He he wants to kind of um, use use his body weight to 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 faint and hesitate and slide and get a guy leaning one way and then kind of cut back behind him. He's not a four two speed guy, but he is quick. If he gets out in the open field, it's going to be tough to catch him. Um, and and really, like I said, just has an eye for the big play. All right. Well, this question that I'm about to ask is probably one of the most important questions I'm we're going to ask you, besides maybe the next one, which is. Of all the options at this year's State Fair in Dallas, which is the most appealing as far as food that's going to be fried? Uh, which is least appealing, and what's maybe what's maybe your wild card you got thrown out there? Well, I mean, I will go back least appealing just just automatically to my my all time least favorite. I tried fried beer when that was a big thing a couple of years ago, and I, I described that to people as 
you know, a, a Tatina's pizza roll that's just, you know, day-old beer. It's hot explosion of beer. It's exactly as bad as you think it will be. Um, so that's still the worst. I don't know that anything on the new foods menu or anything comes close to it. Um, there's a couple items that look just just really, really good on the new foods. A couple actually uh, of the of the Cajun variety that, that stand out to me. They have some Cajun crab bombs, mm-hmm. which, you know, all the right words coming in right there. Um, you know, and then they had a, uh, they had, I believe, Louisiana egg rolls, I think they were kind of, um, they had boudin in them, yeah. oh man, you know, they bury me in those, right? I, that's the only I'll, thing I'll that make... makes me a little apprehensive. There's the inclusion of cheese inside of it. I don't know about mixing boudin with cheese. I've never really had it that way. I don't know. I don't know if that would ruin it or not, but <laughs> seems a little I'm... odd, but I, I'm, I'm willing to keep an open mind there. I have had so I mean the, the the Louisiana Cajun egg roll is 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 a staple on on the the road food. I'm in Houston. I take Interstate 10 in New Orleans as many times as I can a year, um, and I like to stop uh, stop and eat at all the various. You stop in Scott. You stop here. There's all these good roadside food, and I have had a, a, an egg roll with with cheese in it. I don't know if it was I think pepper jack they have in these. I don't know if it was that, but it was better than I expected. I had the same hesitation as you, but I'd say give that one a try because it sounds amazing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, those, those are all, you know, just, you can't go wrong with, with Cajun and fried. I mean, they know what they're doing. Um, I do think there was, uh, there was one more that sounded real good that, uh, can't recall. Is it maybe the stuffed turkey my... leg with the, uh, dirty rice and the Cajun cream sauce. Yeah. So that's, there you go. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm that's my favorite Cajun. of the list, I think. Okay. Nice call. So there's a place in Houston called Turkey Leg Hut that uh, is unbelievable. It gets long lines as it's become, it's only a couple of years old, but it's become pretty popular. Sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll have lines around the block now, but if you get it at the right time, you can get in there and they have this similar, you know, concept. And that was the first place I had this kind of smothered stuff, turkey leg monstrosity. And uh, it was unbelievable there. So I can't wait to, uh, to try that one. Tommy R, what's your pick? Man, I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, I'm going to stop you real quick, and I will say that the the least appealing on my list is the pickle hot dog. Yeah. That is an abomination. That that's the same thing for me. I I cannot do. Send it to Guantanamo. It was a like... it was a pickle hot. It was a PB and J fried pickle yeah. hot dog. Yeah, I want to throw up. That's disgusting. And here's the thing: your you're mouth fry doesn't even pickle, know what to do. <laughs> exactly and plus if you're gonna fry a pickle fry it in slices frying it in a pickle spear is just it, it doesn't work at all i'm gonna throw up so yeah it's just do. it's like already yeah. you have the whole fried pickle in a hot dog bun and then you're like guess what there's another surprise peanut butter and jelly on top of that thing the cotton candy burrito is also that, that it, was, I, I was it appears to be yeah go I'm ahead just pulling that one up that, i mean i was literally i was gonna say that's the only other contender i can think for worse I think they had lavender bean ice cream wrapped in cheesecake flavored cotton candy is the way they described that. And that just hmm. sounds actually like you are, you are going to go to the bathroom immediately. It's just, it just sounds miserable. <laughs> Any cotton candy is a deal breaker. Honestly, yep. it, it is trash food made by trash for trash. It is just, it's nonsense <laughs> food and for little kids, whatever. Hey, but I'm, like, I'm uh, a big fan of the crab cake bombs though. Those look, yeah. those look pretty great. I was like, Oh, that's what's here on the list. I will have to try that. I'm very excited for that one. But as soon as I saw peanut butter and jelly fried pickled hot dog, <laughs> I vomited in my mouth. No. Yeah, they, 
that's you know we seem to have some alignment there i think listeners can take away from this that, that both uh, <laughs> at least the the educated amongst us the sooners and longhorns can come together on the idea of what sounds good and what sounds like an abomination now our next thing this is revenge for what you and gerald did to poor <laughs> old alan kenny on your podcast over the summer you played wed bed dead some people know it as fuck, Mary kill. We're going to call it wed, bed, dead to placate the older people listening to this podcast. Right. But let's, uh, you, it ended with him by default saying that he would bed Butnick from salute your shorts. <laughs> I, I have never laughed so hard listening to a podcast in my life than Alan Kenny reluctantly saying, I guess Butnick from salute your shorts. Alan's, Alan's such a good guy too. I feel so bad for him. It was, you know, it was uncomfortable, but it, it, you got to do it. It's for showbiz, baby. You know, it, <laughs> it moves the needle. <laughs> I mean, anyway, All right. your three we'll options for Wed Bed Dead, Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson, and okay. noted Texas fan, The Undertaker. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, all right. So I'm going to, I'm, I, I feel like this lines up pretty, pretty easy for me. And, and I'll, and I'll say it this way, right? I think, I think Wed, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Neil and I'm going to take him because I think that, uh, you know, he, he obviously just keeps making things and making money somehow. Uh, he's actually, he's a genius. Obviously he could be a smidge annoying at times. I get that. I get it. He but is there to of, put Kyrie own. Irving in his place, though, so that's kind of nice. I feel like I can and, see and where I this is going because of the Undertaker's nickname. I'm just throwing it out there. You got it. You called. You, so that's it. Just lines up, and I think obviously, you know, your bed. Come on, come on. I mean, he is more than all right. All right, all right. Come on, the guy is is fantastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he he also. I I can only imagine you wouldn't want to wet him. Just the amount of like morning pre inspiration. Like, all right, all right, Honcho, I got to tell you a thing about this. Uh, <laughs> This here thing we call twos of the day, uh, just you know, it'd be terrible. So you don't want to wed, just bed and get it over with. Um, and then I, I think just, just clearly, and this is no, you know, my my like twelve year old self is crying uh, at the thought of this as a, as a big Undertaker fan growing up in the wrestling days. But I mean, if there's one of these three that wouldn't mind being dead, I think it's 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 the, you know, the man who has risen from a coffin before. So who's to say if we kill him that it's his last time? We all know the gift. We the all watch man. the match. Yeah. That's right. You know, you put him in a coffin, he might just sit up at ringside. So is it really a permanent dead? Who knows? But that's that's my three. And I and I feel pretty good about that. I think it's pretty fair. I think it's pretty fair. But on to some actual football, I guess, since we might we might just have to actually get to that. You know, sure. what does Texas have to do to win this game down in Dallas? And really, what has to go wrong for the horns for them? Uh, what has to go wrong for them to lose if they were to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think anyone who who has been dating these games, watching these games, know that it, it's tough to predict, right? In a mm-hmm. year when they're both good, um, it can be crazy. In a year when one's bad, you almost know that whoever's bad is going to get the stupid victory. It just it, it's odd how uh, that seems to happen. But uh, year when they're both good, you know, it, it, I don't imagine though that this is going to be a big two three touchdown spread on either side. I think this is going to be a pretty close game, and that there you know are a lot of points to be had on both sides. Um, I think for Texas, it doesn't really change against OU. And in fact, it probably highlights what I think their game plan has been all season. And that's, you know, 
control the time of possession and do that by you can have big plays. That's fantastic. That's a new wrinkle they added in this year. But the way that they won last year uh, in this game was, you know, they, they moved the ball down methodically with long drives, um, converted on third downs, which they've been elite at. I believe they were second in the country uh, coming into the West Virginia game. And, and I haven't checked this week if they've, if they've moved in there, but they're certainly probably still top five. I think they're 10 for 18 last week. But, um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, they, they know how to convert on third drives, third down drives. A lot of that, obviously, Devin DuVernay is, is a machine in that uh, area, but, um, but trying to keep drive moving. And, and when you do that, you keep the ball out of OU, you know, probably the best offense in the country at this point uh, of the season. With I don't even know if there's a lot of argument on that. So you keep the ball uh, out of their hands. I think last year's OU, I said, was one of the, on our podcast, it was one of the most elite offensive units in the history of college football. And they're looking just about as good uh, this year. I do I do think Kyler's a slightly better quarterback. Y'all can, y'all can fight me on that if you feel any different. But, uh, but we I do not. Matt, the ball out we of, agree with this. Yeah. yeah I, I, think, I think keeping the ball out of Hurts and Co. Uh, and C.D. Lamb, who scares, you know, as, as Mac Brown used to say, scares, scares me to death. Um, keeping the ball out of their hands as much as possible is great. I think the other thing is, is you saw, I don't know if you watched the West Virginia game last week, even though they have young cornerbacks, they had a converted receiver um, who played obviously both in high school and, and kind of came in with the opposition to play both. Um, but uh, Jameson, who's, who's uh, had two interceptions last week, and one was just an unbelievably athletic play. He's returned to kickoff, you know, 97 yards for a touchdown already this season, just really athletic. So even though they don't have as many experienced players as I would like to slow down that OU defense, I think they have a couple of players who are gamers and ball hawks and, and just have some really, there's team speed as much as I've ever seen on a Texas defense. And so what that can mean is, you know, in what probably seems to be a shootout, maybe some of that team speed can lead to a turnover. So if Sam takes care of the ball, they move the field down, they can win the turnover battle. Then I think that's the difference in the game. And, and it probably a similar, you know, score line to last year, which is 48, 45. I obviously don't want uh, any 21 point fourth quarters from OU that will make me very sad. But uh, if they can just kind of keep string this game out, do the smart things and play smart football. Um, and, and I think Ellinger has proven that, that he is one of the best in the country at doing that. It just calming it down, getting into the zone, making things happen, getting in manageable third downs, converting third downs. The guy is probably, you know, I would say somewhere around four to five times better passer on third downs. I just don't know how he seems to elevate when he locks in mm. on the money downs. But, uh, but yeah, I think to lose <laughs> – there's lots of ways it can happen. I mean, if, if they try to just match up one-on-one because they get into like an LSU where they're trying to bring pressure um, and then they, they leave those young cornerbacks on islands and you, you know, Rambo and, and, and Lamb just, just go to town. Um, any of the bevy of, of, you know, OU running backs goes off. I mean, I think there's plenty of ways. I think it obviously the, the thing that Horns fans in general aren't looking at is that OU does have a better defense. Right. And so I think, um, I think with uh, – y'all have a lockdown cornerback this year. I'm trying to think. Um, Not quite. I, I'm but, I mean, truly we'll be, we'll be outside of LSU probably the best we've, we've played this season. Um, I, I'm, I'm blanking now on his name. But he's, he's been pretty good in the, the, the film I've, I've uh, watched. But, anyways, I think the, the idea that, um, you know, if it does get to where – Ellinger's had two turnovers – uh, in two games, he had, you know, uh, basically a school record of not having turnovers the year before. I think it's easy to win games when your quarterback doesn't turn basically after the Maryland game all the way through uh, until the the, uh, the last game of the season doesn't have a turnover. It's real easy 
to win games when you just keep the ball and you win that turnover battle. So um, if anything goes awry there, if, if you know, OU defense is able to uh, do what I talked about the Texas defense doing, then I think it gets a little scary. Um, I think the Horns have some offensive firepower this year. They, they certainly can hang better than they could last year. And last year they were able to overcome that, but hang better with that OU, uh, OU offense. So I think the other thing they realize, exactly, like I said, in the game is just Colin Johnson. I mean, the guy loves to play OU. He had 177 in the Big 12 championship. It just seemed like uh, OU was trying to cover him one-on-one, and, and that was a, an option, you know, Texas was going to take every time. It obviously didn't pay off. Uh, in the end with the victory. But I mean, I, I think that formula also, I think the X factor uh, is him. And so I think that exact matchup can play into either of those scenarios. If he goes off, I like our chances. If he gets shut down or he's just not fully back from the injury and doesn't look like himself, I think that's a, that's a scary proposition. Now, finally, before we get to the rapid fire, what's your score prediction for this one? You know, <laughs> on our on our, our podcast uh, this week, Gerald and I were talking about this, and the over-under, you know, I think it's something like 75, and that seems low to me. <laughs> uh, I think I think this is, is clearly an 80-point game. Um, I see I see something like a, you know, I see something like a another uh, 45 to 42 close or, um, you know, 42 to 38, somewhere in that range. But my, my pick is going to be 45 to 42 Texas. Have to. Yep. Fair. I respect that. Yeah, fair. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire time. You ready? All right. Let's do it. All right. Who is your favorite UT alum of all time? Football player or is just alum? In general. Oh, my, my favorite alum of all time is, is Admiral Bill McRaven. Um, he's, he served as the chancellor of our university. He's, he's an unbelievable motivational speaker. Um, he's, uh, he's done pretty fantastic things. He was a journalism major at UT, went on to, to obviously become an admiral in the Navy, led the mission that, uh, that killed Osama bin Laden. So the guy has, uh, oh, some pretty incredible chops. He's also just a genius. Like I, I, his, somehow his military genius seems to translate into everything he does. Real, real big fan of his. Yeah. We give respect where respect is due. Man. Of course. That's so awesome. not Renee Zellweger noted. <laughs> God damn it. All right. <laughs> so what's your least favorite thing about the city of Dallas and the DFW Metroplex? Oh man, you're talking to a guy who's lived in every major Texas city besides Dallas, Texas. I, uh, I'm from San Antonio, went to school in Austin, now live in Houston. There's a reason. Um, the DFW is the home of the thousand there. Um, you know, it's, it's the, uh, the person who lives a bit uh, drives a car that can't quite afford too much real estate for the job they have, you know, those types of things. It's a little bit showy for my taste. There's some good people. I like Fort Worth, actually. There's some good people in Dallas. Don't get me wrong. There are Longhorns who live there. But otherwise, just the, uh, you know, the, the more north you get in Texas, the, the, the more of that crimson you start to see. And so that's that's always tough. We do have quite a presence there. We're a little outnumbered by Texas, as mm-hmm. you saw in the Big 12 championship yep. game last year. But I think part of that was due to the fact that Texas won the first game and were able to buy yeah, a bunch of tickets. They bought them all the tickets. We saw West Virginia fans. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> that was quite a yeah. thing. But uh, anyway, who do you think are the top three artists on Big Texas' Spotify playlist? When he's not being burnt down. When he's not or on the ground. Yeah. Who? Um, you know, I'm going to give you this, right? Because Big Texas is a Texan. He lives in Dallas, but he understands a lot of his people come, come from north of the border. And so I'm going to tell you 
that he's going to start off with Tony LaRue's Oklahoma Breakdown. Because that's uh, a great song. We'll see. Hostie actually wrote that song. He's a Norman guy. So just throw that go. out there. Even better. Even better. So I'm going to give you that. Uh, his next one is God Bless Texas because we know where he lives. We know his name. He's a big, uh, he's a big cowboy. Um, and then the curveball, this is the one that always threw me. He's a huge, huge, huge Selena fan. I think one of the things he says is anything Selena for Evo Selena. Stinos. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's, that's the curveball that people don't see coming, but he's a big bitty, bitty bum gum guy. <laughs> Selena Cantania y los Dinos. Oh man. I love that. Okay. Vida. <laughs> now what's your favorite bar in Austin? Man, this is where I feel like an old guy. Every time I go, it feels like they're they're gone and they change. Um, oh man, I like Cannon Ables on the Lake quite a bit, um, but I, you know, I, I I really do like the. Uh, um, there's a bar in East Austin that my buddy took me to. There was just a real cool outdoor vibe. It's called Weather Up. It's great cocktails. Right now, that's that's my favorite to to visit. But uh, like I said, if I'm going to a classic or I'm watching a football game, there's the the Canaan Ables that's out on on town Town Lake is is a is an all time go to. Who is your favorite music artist that can be considered part of the Austin music scene? Bob Schneider. Uh, my first concert when I got to UT was Bob Schneider. A man who can play any genre for any any group, always a fun live concert, and is like the quintessential Austin dude. Like the there's like a little bit of like a you know we no one from here gets the respect they should. He's kind of that. Like he should be so big and so huge and just have blown up by now. But he just kind of keeps playing gigs around Austin. A huge honorable mention though to Gary Clark Jr., who's just unbelievable. I saw him at Red Rocks, wild, wild, incredible performer. I actually saw Bob Schneider back in May in Oklahoma City, and I saw him wrap up on the stage. He's very universal, for sure. For sure. Okay, one final thing. Is the horns down thing the dumbest controversy in sports, and is it even close? Oh, man, I'm, that's a good question. I'm trying to think if anything comes close. I will tell you this. I adore horns down i love it i inject it straight into my veins it's my favorite thing like it just it makes me laugh every time it's like okay i i feel literally no um malice i know there are people out there they exist i see them online that it, that it seems to really trigger them i cannot understand Sam Ellinger, the quarterback <laughs> well yeah, yeah i think I, what i would say is is uh in regular season uh ou games where he is the the primary starter it seems to not affect him too much um, and and if, it, if that's what he needs to motivate him, then I'm good with that. Um, I'm good with that. But, uh, yeah, I, I really don't – I don't truly understand it. I'm trying to get something close. Sports has a lot of dumb, dumb, dumb controversies, but nothing is coming There's to There's a mind pretty dumb one today with the handshake thing with Baker Mayfield. That was pretty dumb. I mean, I feel like most things right now that involve Baker Mayfield are just stupid dumb. Like everyone is just like hair on fire <laughs> about that kid. Either he can, yeah. he's Richard Sherman somehow ended up looking like the dumbest person of the day, but I guess he's not really new to that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I was say, he, he he's always got something going with him. But yeah, I just feel like Baker. Uh, Baker is like, I mean, good for him. He's he's a troll. He did what Johnny Manziel wanted to do, but like, was actually funny. Like, kind of did it well. Like, just a. 
just a, you know, like a really uh, pisses everyone off. I feel like Manziel just took that and then internalized too much of that hate and anger. Um, and that kind of was his downfall. But I, I hope Baker has a, a long, mediocre, but long uh, career and just continues to troll everyone out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, Kyle, we really appreciate you for coming on the podcast. Um, sure. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. All right. Well, you can follow me personally if you want some some truly horn specific give it to me get my mentions guys throw me some horns down to my mentions at kyle carpenter on twitter you can follow the podcast uh we like to do yearly at least once a year get some connection with this uh with you guys um but you can follow our podcast at longhorn pod and then i also write over for barking carnival a kind of a weekly satirical football column ou is always one of our one of our, our favorites and best weeks is the hate flows through us, but uh, at Texas Pregamer on Twitter, you can follow that over at Barking Carnival. Obviously, the podcast is part of Burn Orange Nation, so I'm all over the SB Nation sphere. Um, but yeah, follow me. Uh, give me some good hate this week, guys. And, and every other week, let's just be regular rivals. But this week, let it rip. All right, Kyle, we really appreciate you. Um, good luck to, this weekend. Not too good luck. Thank though. you. Oh, I hope everyone uh, comes out healthy. And other than that, I hope we beat the crap out of each other, but we win. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Bye. All right, guys. All right, Jack. This weekend, Saturday, 11 a.m., University of Oklahoma, University of Texas, one of the biggest rivalries in the history of college football on Fox, not on FS1 this year, by the way. Both teams are good. That's what happens. Uh, Oklahoma opens up as a... Ten and a half point favorite on the line. I'm not touching that bet. Oh hell no! In either direction at all. Do not put money on this football game ever. Actually, yeah, don't don't do it. <laughs> um, the trenches. Uh, it's the first thing that comes to my mind just because I've talked about it a couple times already. It scares me. Does Oklahoma have what it takes? So let's talk about offense first. In the trenches, offensive line to defensive line, does Oklahoma have what it takes to take the hurt and the pain to the Texas Longhorns? Do they have the ability to open up holes? Are they going to have the ability to be effective this Saturday? See, even when Oklahoma has elite offensive lines going up against Texas, sometimes they have trouble in the trenches. Yeah, like last year. Yeah, exactly. So with the current situation, obviously it's troublesome. Mm -hmm. So... But on the other side, I'm very confident in Oklahoma's front. They're uh, front six, I guess, front seven. But uh, obviously, Neville Gallimore has a fire lit under his caboose. Oh, my goodness. Like, Same with Ronnie Perkins. Yeah, so let's talk about the quote, right? Texas left tackle Sam Cosme. He says this regarding OU's Neville Gallimore and Ronnie Perkins, who have been very, very nice for Oklahoma this year. He says... Yeah, those are those are pretty much guys we've been watching. I'm excited to go against them again. I wouldn't say they're like super special, but they're good players. They're solid players. Nothing to worry about too much. So what's your reaction to that? This is something that Jay Lincoln pointed out earlier today. All of these quotes coming from Texas players. It seems like nerves on their part. Because Oklahoma Think so. is not saying a word about Texas mm-hmm. coming into this game. Yeah. Texas players are saying all the wrong things. Why? Like. I don't... Why? It's I like... Is Tom Herman instructing them to say 
just the most outlandish dumb shit. That would strike me as insecurity on Tom Herman's part, if that's the case. That's that sounds like the type of person Tom Herman is. Of course, it's just like how. Why are you doing this? Like, is it gamesmanship? Is it to like make the player? I know. Why would you want to make Neville Gallimore angry? I can tell you how Neville Gallimore is going to handle this one hundred percent. Neville Gallimore is going to take that internally because he like you can tell. We saw him in media days, and we can tell we've we've seen him, we've met him in person. He has a very large fire inside of him, but he doesn't let a lot of that personality come out. Really, he doesn't. But he's a monster. Uh, and he's going to use it on game day 100%. And then Ronnie Perkins, you know, to affect what did you, we before we were recording, what did you say how basically Ronnie Perkins said it was going to be like? He It was basically a cash me outside situation. He said, yeah. I'll see you at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, he was like, yeah, let's see you. Yeah, I'll see you guys at the Cotton Bowl. I'll see all you cats at the Cotton Bowl. I can't wait. And so. Art Scott, can't wait. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a good quote. But it's just. Offensive line to defensive line against Texas. Right now, I think we have reason to be doubtful. Now, if Oklahoma goes up and puts 200 yards rushing, I think everybody's going to be satisfied. Duh, you should be satisfied. Now, on the other side, though, Oklahoma's front against Texas offensive line. Texas offensive line, they give it up nine sacks through about five games. That's pretty decent. Sam Ellinger, he's a mobile quarterback. He's kind of like a running. He's kind of like a running back that throws the ball. I'm not afraid to get a concussion. Not afraid to stick his nose into hard plays. But, um, you know, I feel good about that Oklahoma front going up against that Texas front. Now, this might be a situation where you put a Jalen Redmond no longer at the tackle spot, and you might actually see a 4-3. You might see that. I I think you might see a... Just because of the success you saw against the run in the short passing game against Texas last year. They gave stuff up deep, and I would expect a little bit of that again this year, but at least you were able to take something away. In yeah. that version of it, which wasn't the case in the uh, mm-hmm. October matchup, and this is one of the teams that, like this team in Kansas State, really, and maybe Iowa State to some proportion, that you could get away with Jalen Redmond at a defensive end, along with Ronnie Perkins on the other side, and then you pick Q Overton or uh, Famatau along with Neville Gallimore, and you just let them out of four three, or or you just have that traditional four two and have a run like that with no Jack Backer, just getting that extra size to make sure. You are doing what you can to contain the edge. And hell, Ronnie Perkins and Jalen Redmond are more than qualified to do that. They're athletic. They're big. They're strong. They're scary. This might be one of the times where you put Jalen Redmond at defensive end and not inside. Same for LaRon Stokes. It's good to have depth at the defensive line, especially for this game. It's good to have played a lot of young bodies. It's good to have played a lot of bodies in general before this because... When you're filtering in 28 guys to 33 guys during a game on the defense, Neville Gallimore isn't too banged up right now. He hasn't played 70 snaps a game till Texas like he did under Mike Stoops. His body is pretty fresh uh, along with Neville Gallimore, along with Kenneth Mann especially who's been out the entire time nursing. He's just getting into game shape. So I feel good about Oklahoma's defense, defensive front against Texas offensive front, which is not something I thought I would say last year. Now... Colin Johnson, as Kyle mentioned, he's suiting up. But I'm not too worried about him. He's coming off injury. Players are typically never 100% coming off injury. I say that, but you never know. He's not the only big guy they have on the outside, though. That's Eagles true. is a monster, yeah. and Epps is a monster. Oh, man. Oklahoma won at Brandon Eagles so bad, too. Um, 
Devin Duvernay, as Kyle mentioned, a guy that was at Baylor and he came to Texas. He was known for not being able to catch the ball, and now he's just been running slant over slant over slant since Colin Johnson's been out and just been taken off. He's a speedy guy. Can can Buki defend Duvernay in the slot? Is he capable of it? Yeah. To a degree, yeah. A uh, minimum. How, how effectively? <sighs> Five out of ten. Yeah, not good. Not great. But he, he could have enough success in spots sort of like what you saw last year yeah i think uh, i guess in their short passing game is what i'm talking about but. i think you have to bring a safety up i think you have to hope your defensive line gets home a lot really again i just think oklahoma is gonna have to rely on their defensive line to get home a lot in order to prevent plays because year in and year out what scares me and what we've seen plenty of times happen is Oklahoma being able unable to cover wheel routes where the slot goes outside and meshes with the um, Z receiver and, you know, they cross and it just confuses the crap out of Oklahoma's slot and a Parno Motley and one guy gets loose for a touchdown. It happens every year. And DuVernay has actually, I think he's the one that caught that last year or maybe the year before that. I can't remember which one it was, but it's just like, I'm concerned. Buki physical being not that fast he's, he's just not and duvernay is a burner now who has the edge in this game you think like officially who do you think has the most competitive edge i would say oklahoma just because texas's defense has been so subpar up to this point and oklahoma's both of their units the offense is obviously elite granted issues with the offensive line Oklahoma's defense has been above average this year. Mm-hmm. Can't say that about Texas' defense. And Texas' yeah. offense isn't as good as Oklahoma's. So on paper, Oklahoma does have the edge here. But you can throw a lot of that out for this game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Texas' offense is good. I think they're really good, actually. And I think their offensive line gives them time to make the necessary throws. Now, they played LSU and they're like, oh, man, we put up this many points on LSU. And LSU the next week goes out. Scores 66, but also gives up 38 points to Vandy. You know, they're playing Big 12 football now, essentially. So, and yeah, and <laughs> Alabama gave up like 30 something to old 33 to Ole Miss when they won, you know, it, whatever. But, um, but then Texas goes out, and honestly, they kind of they didn't look that great against West Virginia. And they played a bunch if of not twos. for four interceptions from Austin Kendall, that's a very different game. They, they, Texas was playing a bunch of twos in the secondary, and they'll play a bunch of twos again in the secondary this week. Um, I don't know. I don't think Caden Stearns is going to play. Tom Herman did not mention his name, and I don't think I don't think he's going to play. Um, but they they have a couple guys back. That de- Texas defensive line, though, again, scares me a little bit. Do they have? Do they have an Ed, Ed Oliver? No. But do they have experienced, massive men? Yes, they do. Uh, in that three three five that they run. Um. Oklahoma, actually, it feels like Oklahoma's lost so much in the last six years, and it's actually three and three. Just because, just because, even in those wins, they've been dominated up front at yeah. times. So it's been dicey. Is Oklahoma because the theme out of every single game, especially in the Stoops era, was Texas too physical, and Oklahoma master physicality in the Big Twelve title game this last year. 
Oklahoma match it again this year, or are they becoming the more physical team, especially on defense? Because on offense, Oklahoma's not afraid to get physical. On defense, that mentality, that cancerous mentality that Mike Soups would bring as far as like playing 10 yards off the ball and just letting the offense come to you instead of, I'm going to get downhill and basically skull, skull, drag, skull drag you, whatever. And I'd expect that intensity to be ramped up for this game oh, yeah, as well. The tackling that. and stuff like that. Alex I mean, Grinch on the field. Um, I think Oklahoma's going to take the fight to Texas on defense, and I think they could not only match that physicality, but maybe even be a little more physical. I agree. Um, so that's what that's what makes me feel good. And like in the last ten years, Oklahoma's seven and three against Texas, or something like that, six and three, some whatever that is. They've had the better team than Texas yeah. every time this decade, but it just hasn't played out that way in the game every time. Very frustrating. How do you see the game playing out? Oh, like we were talking about with the Oklahoma defense, I see them making a lot of plays. I see them, I, I could picture two or three turnovers for the Oklahoma defense. And wow. I, what I will say is I think we're going to see a little bit more of Jaden Davis to try to match that physicality on mm-hmm. the outside. I think that's what a lot of us want to see. Is Jaden Davis the next Derek Strait? That's awfully high praise there. But like, uh, I mean, he's one of the best cornerbacks in Oklahoma history and one of the most underrated players in OU history in general. I'm just saying Derek Strait busts on the scene as a freshman. That is true. He did replace, um, oh, who did he replace? He returned all the punts and kicks. I am losing my mind. He ran back the JT Thatcher. Well, no, JT was a safety. Uh, I thought JT got replaced by Derek Strait. No. I thought I read that. No, JT was in on the 2000 National Championship team playing safety. Well, that and good. so was Derek Strait at corner. At corner. Yeah. Well, regardless, Derek Strait comes onto the field, and he's known as a physical presence as a freshman, and he plays in coverage relatively well. And the first thing you see of Jaden Davis is this man will sacrifice his body. Derek Strait had a lot of shoulder issues because he was not afraid to throw his body to people. Jaden Davis is not afraid to throw his body around to sacrifice his body for the play. And he just seems to be in position to make a lot of plays. I'm not saying he is Derek Street, but I'm saying he's a guy that Kerry Cooks could not get his hands on to ruin him. And he actually gets real coaching. I'm very excited to see him grow up in this system that Alex Grinch and Roy Manning have planned for him. Uh, man, how I see the game playing out, it makes me nervous. Score prediction-wise, I think it's. I kind of think it's going to hit the under. I think it's Just because the of too. the way this game kind of plays out. I think it's going to I mean, obviously it didn't play out that way during the October matchup last mm-hmm. year, but Oklahoma's defense being much better, I could picture it being a little lower scoring. I, I, I'm i going to go 38-31 Oklahoma. Oh, that's good. You know, I'm not sure what the over-under is. What was it? Uh, For like the, Let's I, see. I don't know the over-under. I know the plus-minus. But, I mean, how I see the game playing out is Oklahoma's going to have to throw the ball, and Jalen Hurts is going to have to make a lot of plays at this feet. I don't know if Oklahoma forces turnovers. Now, if Oklahoma does force turnovers, and I'm talking about meaningful turnovers in the second, first, second, third quarter, not the fourth quarter when the game's done, and people are chasing Over under behind. 75, by the way. So 38, okay. 31, that would be the under. That would be 69. Boom. Nice. Nice. Um. <laughs> but I just see this game playing out. I mean, if Oklahoma can get a meaningful turnover, that's money. 
if Oklahoma can win the special teams battle, money, they're going to win. Um, I don't know if it happens. I'm still terrified of Texas' rush game as far as them blitzing the hell out of Jalen Hurts. I just see flashbacks of 2015 and how, you know, Baker was an amazing quarterback that year. And Kyler Murray. That got, was his worst offensive line, though. Yeah, and well, Kyler Murray got sacked several times last year, too, and he's more agile than a freaking cheetah. But it's just, it concerns me. Um, so what I'm going to say is what not a lot of fans are going to like to hear. I'm going to pick, I'm saying it's going to take the under. And I picked this score a long time before the score even came out, before the before the line even came out for Oklahoma at 10.5. I picked Texas 35-24. 35, oh, 24 points for the OU offense. I think that Jalen Hurts may make a fumble or make, may have a fumble or may throw an interception, maybe even both. I don't know. Um, but I feel like that Texas pressure is going to get home versus Oklahoma because of how experienced that Texas front three is. They're three big guys. They're going to, Todd Orlando is going to bring a, a lot of blitzes, a lot of looks. Creed Humphrey's still young. He's not the most, he's not Gabe Eichert up there knowing every single thing. I'm not saying Creed Humphrey's dumb. That's the way it's coming off as. I'm saying Creed Humphrey's still not 100% experienced as far as Todd Orlando's defense as Gabe Eichert was. And, but all, all, you know, kudos to Creed for being the most dynamic center at Oklahoma probably in the last 50 years. But, um, I just don't see it playing out well for the Sooners. Um, that's why I'm super nauseous this week because of that offensive line and because of that Texas front uh, and the amount of blitzes that Oklahoma's going to see. I just see, I see flashbacks to 2015 over and over and over because Baker can get whipped the ball out pretty quick. Um, Jalen cannot whip the ball very quick. That's not his throwing motion. That's not his style. That's not how he plays football. He's going to take off. And he can make some big plays at the same time as he can get some super negative plays. So that's what concerns me. And that's what I'm going with. I'm kind of sad about it. But let's talk about somebody that was involved in last year's Red River rivalry, Red River shootout. Very notably involved in Very notably rumored to be involved in some sort of altercation. Curtis Which seems Bolton. nonsense, but. Yeah, it is nonsense. Curtis Bolton, uh, who is nursing an injury with the Packers right now. Um, talks about Alex Grinch, and he said, you know, no disrespect to Mike Stoops, because he has respect for them, or that's at least what he said on the record. Um, as a human being. As a human being. He wished he had Alex Grinch when he was around on the defense at OU because of the mindset and the culture change he's bringing to OU, and I have never felt more on the same page with an OU player that I do right then, right then. Exactly, and I remember thinking the person from last year's defense who would have fit best with Alex Grinch's culture would have been Curtis Bolton. Oh, yeah. So I'm completely on the same page. Hair on fire. Don't care if you really make a mistake. Just make that mistake going 150 miles a damn hour and then go play the same way the next down. And, you know, we we can talk this to death and we can beat this dead horse, but it's just people say... Because I was on a podcast with uh, the Rock Chalk guys last week, you know, previewing the Kansas game. And they're like, oh, well. I'm sure it was enthralling. It was great. Yeah, Andy Mitts, great guy. Um, But they said, well, is Oklahoma's defense really that much improved? They've played nobody. And I'm like, hey, fair point. But the 
the building blocks are there. You can tell just visually it's there. Now, have they played a team the caliber of Texas? No. Is their schedule a little backloaded? Yes. But have they, have they, are they really battle-tested? Not really. They've had a lot of scrimmages the past this past season so far. Um, and they will be tested this weekend, but they've got a mental they've got a mentality shift and that's that's what I said all during the summer. OU has the players. They had better players than Washington State had when Alex Grinch turned them completely around. They just needed a culture change of getting that toxicity out of their system of poor me to why not me? I'm going to go bash somebody's skull in. And you got to appreciate that as a football player, Neville Gallimore, who went from 6th, 7th rounder to probably 2nd, 3rd rounder, depending upon how the season turns out. That guy's making some money. Uh, Kenneth Murray's making some money. Everybody, like, imagine Imani Bloodstone in this defense right now. He should have been on this defense, actually. He should have been on this he defense got right now. He did. But it's just... It's something that you love to see. Now, something that you hate to see, and not in a funny way, just something just ridiculous. Have you seen this letter from Penn State? Have you seen it? Yeah, pretty upsetting. It's just like, so for those that have not been on Twitter or just been under a rock or just haven't seen this, a teammate brought this forth, and we're not going to mention who it's about, but... uh. This seemingly elderly couple, because they are old, that's what they mentioned in their letter, wrote a letter to a Penn State football player and basically talked about, you know, hey, you're a great player. These people that wrote it, we're alumni of Penn State. We love the athletics. We love everything about it. But did you take a look at the mirror before you played? Your dreadlocks and your tattoos. And we just wish, you know, things would go back to the olden days where things are clean and not tattooed and dreadlocked and disgusting. It's not cool. All of this reeks of aversive racism. Yeah, 100%. And partially just being incredibly out of touch. It's 2019. Do they not? And they said, we don't watch the NFL anymore because people have too many tattoos. Like, dude, I'm sitting there. They celebrate in the end zone. Uh, yeah. I'm These s- people are the worst. Act like you've been there. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot of people like them, too. I understand the whole act like you've been there before. I get that 100%. Cool by me. Being upset about it is another thing. Exactly. I mean, it's, ugh. Like, if these people... I can't relate. I don't know. If these people met me right now, they'd be upset. Do I have dreadlocks? No. But do I have, like, several tattoos? I do. Do I have neck tattoos? No, I don't. I just have a sleeve that I can just wear, you know, long sleeve shirts, and I, everybody's fine with it. But... It, exactly what you said. It reeks of racism as far as like dreadlocks. Did you not have a girlfriend to tell you that you look gross in the mirror? Like, be better. Be better. It's the 21st century. And they wrote it in, in a letter, email or tweet or something. No, actually, no. Keep on writing letters. That way nobody will care. And everyone will know that you're old. Yes, everybody, that we 100% knew they were old before... We even had to like see like oh yeah I tried to play basketball like anyway. we knew you're old once we saw that we saw a letter uh, you probably pay an exact change or you probably pay with a check that the price is like three dollars was that is that fair to say yeah very all right is a good time to remember that uh, when we were at Big Twelve Media Days when 
shout to Eric Bailey said, yeah. our question was the best one at Big Toe Media Days in front of the pod. Um, we need to have him on sometime. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I asked Lincoln Riley, you know, would you ever consider wearing the beat Texas hat like Barry Switzer did back in the day? Because Switzer's a, he's a good old guy. And, uh, you know, Lincoln chuckled and said maybe in 10 years, which of course means Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, sorry. Lincoln Riley's here to stay for at least seven more years. <laughs> but um, realistically, what would you do? Lincoln Riley walks out on the sideline this weekend wearing a beat Texas hat. I would shit myself <laughs> laughing so hard. We're not gonna do the. It's horns. not gonna happen. But... We're not gonna do the horns down, but I'm gonna wear a big beat Texas hat. God. They can't. Th- they can't throw a flag on him for it. It's headgear. Yeah. Seems fine. I would enjoy They're, it. He's not gonna do it, but he wouldn't do it. I he would he would maybe do it like he might put on the hat if they won the game. I remember they said when they asked Bob Soups about it, he's like, "Oh no no no, I'd never do that during a game, but." I've been known to wear headgear after the games. And it's like, okay, Bob just admitted he would do that stuff after the games, but not before. And of course, in today's game, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, rain on your own parade and make a fool out of yourself. But Austin Kendall sucks, bro. At the same time, he nearly threw for like 400 yards. And almost Those beat are, Texas. Yeah, I mean, that tells you what Texas is dealing with in its secondary. Even though those guys have high ceilings as athletes. There's something that can be exploited there. So as long as Jalen Hurts has a little bit of time to throw, he can surpass that yardage from Austin Kendall, obviously, and hopefully not throw four interceptions. Yeah, uh, and that's the hope, you know. And they're and they're playing in Dallas, and they're not playing in West Virginia. But uh, that's the hope is that Austin, you know, of course, Jalen Hurts has a better array of athletes than Austin Kendall will ever have um, in his life. And if Austin Kendall can throw for nearly 400 yards with four interceptions and nearly beat Texas and move the ball in Texas pretty well, especially when they're throwing the ball, Oklahoma should be able to do the same at a higher clip. Now, what I'm really here to talk about, though, about Kansas is not about their football team. It's never about their football team, regardless of if I have a close friend even committed to the University of Kansas. I love the kid. Daniel Highshaw, he's electric. He's going to be a great kid that plays for Kansas football. But I don't care about Kansas football. We care about Kansas basketball. He's probably going to go on probation soon. Especially after Snoop Dogg went and performed at their kind of like, what do they call that thing? Like a Midnight Madness Midnight kind Madness of thing. thing. And um, my most favorite part about it was not the fact that they had Snoop Dogg and that Jeff Long and all those guys had taken pictures of, with Snoop and they had done and, and um, they had done so many photo ops and talking about like, you know, getting down with it and stuff like that. And uh, the, oh, yeah, we had no idea Snoop was going to bring strippers. They said in the details that they were going to be acrobatic dancers. Jeff Long is old, but he's not old to the point where he should be confused about that. Yeah. I mean, come on. Bill Self talked about, like, Bill Self did a rendition of, uh, oh, what was that? Oh, what was the famous rapper ly- lyrics? Bill Self did a, uh, a rendition of sipping on gin and juice as a promo, I believe. Nice. And you're going to tell me, oh, yeah, we thought they were going to bring in Cirque du Soleil <laughs> instead of stripper poles. And I'm sure they would not have allowed that had they known. Obviously, they're smart enough to know the PR nightmare that would yeah. be, but I mean. 
At the same time, I got to thinking about it. Those women on stripper poles, those are actual dancers. Like, Correct. legitimate university dancers. These are not real strippers. These are people that are... That we know of. That we know of. But these are, like, actual people that probably went to dance school to be in this. It's not like they went to, like, night trips or something or whatever. They might have been at night trips. We don't know that. <laughs> the night shift, not the day shift. Uh, but... <laughs> I was like, man, those, look at those women. Like, they are like legitimately like upper body strength, and they are actual acrobatic dancers. However, so they weren't lying. They were just on stripper poles in certain positions, and just you know, flinging their bodies around. You know, it just makes me laugh because it was very funny all around. Because all the it old, came old off fogies. as a troll to the NCAA. Obviously. Oh yeah, and they had the money, the money uh, gun. Yeah, that was great. Oof. All the old fogies at the at the fog uh, fainted, and some guys. The students loved the it. Students obviously. loved it. Oh, of course. I mean, who wouldn't? I'm. I would like at when it was a rain delay at Lawrence. I was like, hey, send Snoop out. Is he still? Is he still <laughs> in Lawrence? Like, I'm down with Snoop. That's fine. But it's just like, come on. And the students loved it, but the old folks probably gonna get a lot of letters, like the letters we just read from Penn State. You know. From the old folks, the, how dare you? We want that new band. What's it called? Mumford and Sons. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know. People Those people even... want Rascal Flat, yeah, ra- Flats. Rascal probably. Flats. Those are Rascal Flats people. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Tom Herman, like we said, basically seems like he's instructing players to talk trash. B.J. Foster explicitly saying Jalen Hurts needs to slide. That Texas is Texas. And they're just simply more physical. I mean... I can't wait till Jalen Hurts stiff arms his ass into the dirt. Absolutely. And this person is smaller than Jalen Hurts He is. So, probably not a great move on his part. It's just like... What could have... And like you said, it comes off as weak. It does. It's like, you know, don't have a lot of confidence, so... Play as loud or scream as loud, something to give you a little more confidence. Uh, like Plankton and SpongeBob, um, you know, maybe we'll just play really loud and they'll believe that we're really good. Um, maybe that's the situation here, but it just reeks of you're not confident and you are talking. Major insecurity. It's a reflection of their head coach, too. And I totally, I think it's spot on because your team. Or reflect the leadership that is in position. And when you have a Lincoln Riley and an Alex Grinch, which is take things very business-like, but remain intense as hell, especially on defense. And then you go over to Texas, and you have Tom Herman making fun of Drew Locke on the sideline. And you have Tom Herman saying dumb shit and trying to get into fights with Mike Gundy on the football field. Not this year, but last year. It's a reflection of the top down. And you got to be happy as an Oklahoma fan that you your leadership is Joe Castiglione, Lincoln Riley, and Alex Grinch instead of whatever the hell is going on at Texas regarding Tom Herman and the who's ready is it Conti still or no? Yeah, it, you, Dude, who was at TCU prior? But you you just got to like what you see at Oklahoma because there's being quiet. They're like, all right, yeah, well, game day Saturday, and you like you like you love Alex Grinch saying, you know what? He's taking the anti Stoops approach. Stoops was. 
oh, it's just another game. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just you just hope to get another. Those w. brothers really like to say at the end of the day. Yeah, and and Alex Grinch was like, bro, this is a rivalry game. It's up a tick, and we're gonna rise to the occasion. We know what this game means. You like to hear that because when Amani Bledsoe comes out of the game last year and says. Man, we just came out flat. How the hell are you going to come out flat against Texas? Against Texas? I get coming out flat against Kansas. We saw that happen. With the rain delay. CeeDee Lamb was wrapped in a blanket. You come out flat against Texas? What the hell? You should be, especially on defense. Offense, I can see you coming out flat, just something not working. Defense, playing with your hair on fire, at least making mistakes 100 miles an hour. Just coming out flat on defense? No. So I respect Alex Grinch for all of that. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Alright. Favorite time to reminisce about your OU Texas memories? A lot of my memories I don't remember from OU Texas, so this is a little tough. And then some of them I don't want to say on this podcast, so mm. I've got to be very careful here. Mm. Tread lightly. I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about game okay. memory. How about okay, that? How about that? I would say my favorite in-game memory of OU Texas, as far as the ones I've attended, would be DeMarco Murray, his hurdle touchdown. That was just electric. That was the one I was going to use. Ah! We should have talked about this before. should have talked about it. No, that was great. So electric. Because... Like, you watch the footage of it and watch the fans in the background, how nuts they're going over that run. So cool. Like, he's running, he breaks up the middle... Offensive lineman's down on the ground. He's hurtling himself. Offensive lineman gets back down on his chest, and he just takes up the left sideline. Oh, man, that's beautiful. All right, since you took that one, I'm going to take the Damian Williams 97-yard run, scamper the end zone. I mean, of course, we're not talking about Trey Millard's two big runs. One of them didn't get a touchdown, but Damian Williams breaking up the sideline. Juke and left, juke and right, and then needs one more block to set him free for that touchdown. Kenny Stills, out of nowhere, blindside block, which would have been a flag today. Not back then. Kenny Stills, out of nowhere, blindside blocks this guy. Springs Damian Williams for the rest of the touchdown, and that the route was on. And I just I just miss OU forcing defensive turnovers. I'm not even talking about 2001 Roy Williams Superman. I'm talking like Demontre Hurst strips the ball catches it in the middle of the air and just scampers on the end zone and stuff like that and they used to do the whole you know the shark shark fit on their head when they thought you know OU was they were the they were the land sharks before Ole Miss was when they did a big profile in 2012 that's that's the last time OU kicked Texas ass 2012 seven years too long too long too long and there's been other years that we felt like OU was gonna kick their ass like they started out good and then they just stopped scoring, and Texas got back in the game. Is, 2017 is a good example of that. OU got out to a 20 to nothing yeah. lead in that game. And you're like, done. Oh, OU's going to pile it on, and ends up being a close game. Why? But maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Don't know. To me, I don't think so. But, like you said... Rivalry game, throw out the record books, throw out anything, just go play some football. Let's do it. You have, any, rip. You have anything Plus else? Miles. I think I'm good. Well, uh, you obviously know our plans for the weekend is to try, try to stay hydrated, yeah? 
Oh, of course. Always important. Very important. Hydration, very important. It's not supposed to be too hot this year, at least. It's not. It's supposed to be wonderful, actually. So, But, hey, man, follow us on crimsoncreammachine.com. A lot of things dropping. Uh, fair, fair Foods. We didn't even talk about that today. We talked about with uh, with Kyle. And I did a post. I think yeah, we've covered it it's, it's It's great. And, you know, follow everything on crimsoncreammachine.com. A lot of great stuff dropping daily. Alan dropped something today, right? And it was yes, yes, yeah, something on the horizontal passing game. So for Texas. good, so good. And Alan is so good with X's and O's. Um, follow Jack on Twitter at CC Machine. That's the account, or follow his personal account at J Larry Shields. Follow me. I'm Cam Robin at Cam Robin CCM. Alan Kenny at Blading Homerism. Um, again, guys, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcast. You know, if you like what you hear, give us a five star rating. Really appreciate it. Really helps us out. And we'll catch you on the flip side this weekend. Check you later.